Welcome to Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus to Canton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Ah, oh, man. It, uh, this was a big week in college football, Colin. And I Huge. don't know exactly how big yet. Of course, we're referring to Nick Saban, who announced his retirement uh, with uh, Alabama, the Crimson Tide there. Uh, we are going to cover that uh, and all the dominoes that are going to fall afterward that have already started falling. Maybe try to make some predictions as to what happens. Otherwise, um, we're going to talk a little bit about some some early offseason kind of get in before people catch on by sells. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that that's pretty much going to be tonight's show. Um, I, I think the saving stuff is going to take up a large, large part of it here, Colin. Yeah, you, you agree. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to kind of to talk about that and all the ripple effects that have come from that uh, decision uh, by him to step away. And, you know, it's definitely shaken up the entire college football landscape. And obviously, you know, whenever it's Nick Saban would, it would be huge. But this timing is is really interesting, too. Yeah, I would have thought maybe the end of this season left a bad taste in his mouth. I mean, they really could have um won that game against Michigan who obviously then went on to uh you know definitely look like the better team uh in that championship game definitely wasn't you know a, a fluky win so you know being that close um but I mean the squad we can talk about it here just as some of these guys are leaving but the, the team itself is not that great right now um which I probably factors in um I I think the whole coaching carousel, that has gone on after this is really scummy. Uh, And we can talk about that in a second here as well. I have lost a lot of respect for some of these coaches, Um, except for Dan Lanning, who apparently was not part of any of this. Um, So go Dan Lanning, our our new favorite guy here. Big Um, Dan Lanning fans. Yes. Yes. Uh, Dan, the man. That's what we're just going to call him on the show. We're fannings. Oh, Dakota. Uh, I didn't uh, even think about that. Just, that might be trademarked. That might be. It might be. We all have to be careful there. Tread yeah. Yeah. Um, It's like when I tried to name my my DeAndre Swift fan club the Swifties, and that was shut down so so quickly. Wait, really? Who else is like Swift? Um, you know what, Colin? I I'm just gonna have you Google the Poke. Is it the Pokemon move? Really? That's Pokemon? where you went with that? Yeah, I don't know. Literally, the first thing that popped into my head. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. <laughs> I'm not. I haven't even been on a Pokemon kick. I haven't played that in a couple years, a couple weeks, at least a couple weeks. Yeah, uh, that's where I thought you were going with that. Um, yeah. So I mean, let's let's we can just start talking about this here, Colin. Obviously, you know Nick Saban. He's out at Alabama by now. We know the following. We know that his replacement is going to be Kalen DeBoer, who was at Washington last year. Before that, Fresno. Before that, a host of different spots: Indiana. Um, D2, FCS, really one of those folks that has kind of uh, worked their way up uh, really through the ranks of college football. Um, you know, a lot of times it's not a meritocracy, but DeBoer uh, is an instance where it definitely right. has been. Um, so we know he's going there. We know that his replacement at Washington is now Jeff Fish or Jed Fish. Sorry, Jed Fish, the former, uh, now former head coach at Arizona, who had done a really good job turning that program around. A lot of hope there this offseason especially after uh finishing the season strong and then beating oklahoma in that bowl game pretty handedly quite frankly i don't think that game ever really felt um that close overall although i think you know the balance of um motivation was a little 
uh, askew in that one, one of those uh, bowl games that that, that wasn't quite uh, equal. So those are the coaches that we know right now. We don't know who's replacing Jed Fish in Arizona. We don't know what's going to happen to all the players that are at Arizona. We don't know what's happening to any of the players at Washington, to my knowledge, as of 8.55 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday, January 14th. None of them have been hitting the portal yet. Uh, Will Rogers did. Uh, well, and then somebody else that we'll talk about a little bit later. Austin. Oh, Mack. yeah. Austin Mack did too. You're right, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, so there's the only players we know about there. Oh, Bama, a slew of guys are leaving. So um, I don't know. Where, where do you want to start this discussion, Colin? Do you want to start it with the guys leaving Bama? I mean, do you want to say anything? Do you an, an ode to Nick Saban? I, mean, I, I don't <laughs> know that we can add anything to the discourse that hasn't already been said this week. Yeah, I don't think we can really add anything. You know, we're an ode to Nick Saban. Like, yes, he has, uh, is the greatest college football coach of all time. I don't really think that's much of a debate there. And I think this year, you know, it's been said on our network, it's been said other places too, but this was potentially one of his best coaching jobs this year, um, at least in recent years, given the state of that team, the state of the offense. And, you know, he willed them to um a sec title and to beat georgia who was potentially the best team in the country you know michigan wins it all so we'll never know how that game would have shaken up um but you know i think that a great season great ending note for him even if they they didn't win a national title this year uh yeah for sure and i i mean i think the highest compliment i you know not that it matters to him that i can give him is that i I mean, as anybody does when you're watching any sort of sport on any level, if one team is dominant for too long, you just grow a hatred for that team. Yeah. You know, basically across and, you know, that's why that's why people hate the Yankees. That's why people, you know, that are slightly, you know, hate the Cowboys from those 90s teams. They hate the Steelers from the 70s that are the older generation before that. The Niners in between the Patriots, the Patriots now today. Um, I, the, the, the best thing I can say about him is that I never got tired of watching Alabama win ever when he was there. Now, granted, I'm a pit fan. We weren't ever really competing for the same thing. So maybe that <laughs> plays a part in it. Um, but I, 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 every year, you know, not, you know, not directly. I, mean, I wouldn't, would definitely not call myself an Alabama fan, but definitely rooted for them as kind of, you know, if I had to pick one of the powerhouse schools, um, uh, to, to perform well every year, it was definitely them. So, um, I never, never got tired of it. Never got tired of it. And I think he, uh, one of the few coaches that really uh, reinvented uh, themselves and really uh, was kind of a, a chameleon when it came to college football and was able to um, build just substantially different rosters over the years, um, all with basically the same ending point, a national championship at some point along the way. Yeah, I mean, he did it a variety of different ways, you know, early on in his career, he did it with defense and ground and pound and, you know, with the the Mark Ingrams and the Derrick Henrys of the world. And then the, the funny thing was he would always warn people. He would be, you know, when when the offense started moving so much towards passing and spread schemes and stuff. And he's like, I don't know if this is going to be good for the game. And then he gives people a year and then he just does that same thing and then does it better. You know, when he brought in a more up-tempo offense, started spreading the ball around, you know, they win it with Tua, they win it with Mac Jones and those receivers um, those years. And then talked about the NIL and how, like, I don't know if this is going to be good for the game. And then, you know, they just brought in whoever they wanted. Now, I still think Alabama's NIL wasn't quite as strong as what maybe it was perceived to be. I think. Oh, it's not at all, which is what we're finding out now. Yeah. And I was going to ask you next if this is going to end up being a 
bit of a um not on the same level because there's a lot of different things going on but when joe pa left penn state and they realized like how bad the facilities like how and that's not the case at bama but like how far behind they were in a bunch of other stuff but it didn't matter because joe pa had been there i'm gonna i'm interested to see if that's kind of what what it looks like here or um uh, who was it at Ohio State that that um, then basically Urban and uh, Trestle? Trestle came in and I, I think it was like oh, even like, the guy, like the, yeah I think like Trestle kind of came in and set the standard and then Urban kind of you know mm. carried it beyond that but um, like it, it's interesting in some of these schools seeing seeing that happen yeah yeah I think it is and you know I, I think one of the things you know I've been I listened to a lot of uh, Cover Three and, and one of the things that they mentioned on there is how much Nick Saban was able to keep a lot of those Alabama boosters in check because who's going to argue with Nick Saban, you know? Uh, And he was also a strong enough personality that he did things his way and those boosters shut up and did what they were told. And, you know, a lot of things that they're saying is like, can Kalen DeBoer kind of keep those boosters in, in check? Or are we going to see, you know, boosters get a little bit of uh, trying to exert some power like you see at Texas A&M sometimes, like you see at Texas sometimes, you know, like are you going to start to see some of that now that DeBoer's gone? And I think that's an interest – or that DeBoer is in and Saban's gone, and I think that's an interesting um, piece to this puzzle as well. I wanted to ask before we we kind of shift into, you know, the rest of the, the, the coaching carousel here that resulted from this move um, – I did kind of put a short tweet out the other day, but I think the biggest myth, one of the biggest myths perpetuated in the sports world today is that you never want to be the guy that follows the legend. And people will cite all sorts of different examples as to why you don't want to be the guy. I think the reason that so often the next guy fails, I think there's two reasons for it. I think first off, wherever this myth came from, so many people believe it that you almost never get the best candidate yeah. hired. Like realistically, was Kalen DeBoer the best candidate for this job? No. I think realistically, the best two candidates were Kirby Smart, which was never going to happen, yeah. but some obvious ties there and like kind of would have Dan been Lanning. a really sweet FU if you could pull oh, that yeah. off. Um, <laughs> and then Dan Lanning was second. And it doesn't seem like either of those really ever were on the table at all. So whether they didn't even ask whether, you know, like, but it doesn't seem like those two, th- those two options aren't very far. So like you're automatically halfway down your list, you know, or did they, they, I guess they asked Steve Sarkeesian or sorry, Sark said he asked to get Texas to give more money. I don't really know. Um, but like you, you really moved far down the list there. And then the, the other piece of this here is that I think teams, institutions will say not even like, I think institutions kind of, freak themselves out on finding like the quote unquote perfect guy and establishing this set of expectations that aren't even like unreasonable. They just don't make sense. Like if you have a guy that's following Nick Saban and like, and your, your criteria is that you want a guy that's basically the exact same as Nick Saban and he's an Alabama guy. And like all, there's nobody on the planet that fits those those requirements like you're you're psyching yourself out right off the, the top of the bat eliminating so many good candidates because you kind of are saying well we you know we just had success this way we got to continue it that way i think sometimes finding almost the exact opposite kind of guy is not a bad way to follow up a, a coach like that so 
I, I, I think it's, and, and, you know, just poo poo to any of these coaches that turned it down because they didn't want to follow Nick Saban. That's, that's weak. You'll never be at the top of your profession. If that's your, your mentality, you'll always be at some also ran program probably. Yeah. I think, I think you make a really good point. The like, not wanting to follow a legend it, like that is, there is definitely some merit to it because you hear it perpetuated so much, but like you, you want to think that these coaches are a lot of them are, are egotistical enough to think that they can follow a legend. So, you know, you hope that that's not why they turned it down. We talked a little bit in the slack and uh, I mentioned that if I am Dan Lanning, I don't want to go to Alabama because he's got a, pretty cushy gig there at Oregon. He's got all the NIL money he can spend. He has a very, very nice contract and, and he doesn't have to follow Saban. And I say that more because the Alabama fan base expectations are, is going to be sky high. And if you're, if, if he's going nine and three there in, in what's a very tough sec, you know, bringing in Texas and Oklahoma um, is going to be, a big addition to that. And it's, it's going to make things a little more complicated and, and difficult for, for teams. So, you know, nine and three could get you into the playoffs potentially as an sec team, but is nine and three going to be good enough for that Alabama fan base? I think they're the expectations of the, the fan base boosters, everybody around it might be a little skewed right now. And they might need, you know, he, he wouldn't have as long of a leash there as he would at Oregon. So I, I understand it from Dan Lanning's perspective, uh, with with Kalen DeBoer, I think, you know, all of that is still kind of in play there as well. But he didn't have as nice of a gig at, at Washington. And I think it was a good decision on on his job uh, part to go take that Alabama job. I still think the biggest advantage of coaching one of those big SEC schools is that the proximity to the talent. Yeah, I think it's really hard to recruit specifically the big uglies up into the Pacific Northwest when there are none of them are really coming from out that direction. And you've yeah. got a slew of 300 pound dudes coming out of <laughs> Georgia, Florida, Alabama. You get that you know, Southern home cooking, Louisiana. <laughs> um, you don't really find a lot of those guys. I guess you find a lot of, uh, I, I don't know, I'm hoping this does not come off as ignorant. There's a lot of more of like the Samoan style kind of big guys, but they don't really, mm. there's not a ton of them every year. They don't tend to always end up in like, they kind of look like a lot of them like to go to Utah, a lot of them like, Utah, BYU, BYU they could, they, Washington, USC, like all I, of that. I don't really yeah. know. I don't really know. So, like, I think, I think, in skill talent too. Like, what, what is Oregon? I haven't looked recently in terms of like if you looked at all fifty states and you rank them by high school average. Oh uh, man, you know, they've got to be so far down there. Like, I think no matter what, I think it's impossible to have a dynasty nowadays in college football in a location where there isn't premium talent just growing on trees around you. I think it's impossible. I don't care how much NIL, NIL money you have. I don't care how much the conferences are realigning. I think it's impossible. So I still think at the end of the day, Oregon is is a tier two job. I think it will always be a tier two job. I don't think it can ever be a tier one job. Um, and so I think, you know, staying there, um, I think is really short-sighted, especially with the portal now. I think even if you have to go to Alabama and win – nine games next year um to kind of fire it back up year two i think that's more than possible and i think uh Lanning could have easily done that come in there i think he would have kept a lot of the roster you, you know most of the recruits i think you kind of go from there but 
who, who knows? Who knows? This is all conjecture at this point. I don't even think we wanted to get that far down the rabbit hole on that. Um, <laughs> we didn't, but that's okay. So let's talk about some of the guys that at Alabama specifically that have already made their intentions known. First up, I think the biggest name for us right now today is Isaiah Bond. Mm -hmm. Led them in receiving last year, which is crazy. In the moment, it didn't like it didn't seem like he had a bad season, but I didn't think that you know he was leading them in receiving. But um, he did. He entered the portal and then very quickly, um, gee, I wonder wonder how that worked out. He ended up at Texas. Um, very interesting. Texas has very quickly rebuilt that wide receiver room now. Yep. Bond, uh, Matthew Golden coming over from Houston, and then um, a bunch of other guys essentially. That, you know, we think Jonte Cook, um, who else is on that? I mean, DeAndre Moore. Um, you know, whatever. Ryan Wingo this year. They brought oh, yeah. in Ryan Niblett last year, who was a pretty highly recruited recruited guy, even if we weren't a fan of Niblett. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I can say <laughs> to that. Um, yeah, Wingo, who we are crazy low on. If you're following yeah. what we're saying, you're probably not really drafting any Ryan Wingo this year. Um right. so I mean it's it's a pretty crowded room overall, but I do think obviously Bond he's going there with the intention to play, you know, Bond, Golden probably the two and then we'll figure out who the third guy is um interesting move good bad and different is, is he is he new xavier worthy is he something different yeah i think the the worthy role is the most natural fit there for bond uh i think they are similar enough you know skill set wise that it's not it's almost like a one-for-one -one replacement now uh is he gonna have that same chemistry with uh, Quinn that that Worthy did because Worthy was there for a couple of years. Um, and we've seen Ewers not be particularly great on deep balls. So I, I think this is not the best landing spot you could have hoped for for Bond. It's certainly not bad. Uh, I think because I think you can kind of project him fairly safely at least. So I think that keeps his floor, you know, decent. Uh, but I, I think the ceiling there might not be as high as, as what it could have been in some other places. I mean, or if he would, had even stayed. With you the think board. his ceiling was higher at Alabama? I think it, that's going to largely depend on what they end up doing at quarterback. Right. Is right. it Will Rogers that goes? Um, I saw somebody saying, you know, like, you know, people are leaving because they they don't want Will Rogers. I'm like, they just had a season with Jalen Milrow. Like, yeah. no disrespect to Jalen Milrow, but if I'm a receiver and I'm trying to maximize my value, Jalen Milrow is like 80th on the list of guys that I'm picking that are currently <laughs> FBS starting quarterbacks. And that's, again, not a slight on Milrow. He's a, like a fun player and what he does works for him. But as a receiver, that's not great for me. Meanwhile, Will Rogers, who, you know, probably is like, if I'm trying to build a good college football roster, I'm probably taking Milrow over Rogers, depending on what my scheme is. But Rogers right. going to highlight my skill set probably quite a bit more than right. Jalen Milrow is, right? So I that, that you know, I, I don't know that that's you know what's going on there. Um I I'll say this, and I have been very firm on this over the last like year that there I don't know that it necessarily needs to be some sort of like agent. But some sort of like third party service that like basically players can like uh, consult, like it's like a consulting group where they say, you know, I've got these options based on depth chart, coaching tendencies, blah, 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 you know, their history of getting out of the NFL. If that's my end goal, like 
show because there's there's guys every like there's tight ends that are going places like don't even use a tight end have never used a tight end mm -hmm. will never use a tight we, end we should do this we should be these people oh i should consult for them man i've got all sorts of like third like you know separate entity like ideas for us to eventually have in the future with like all sorts of different data stuff we had I, that, we had that agent reach out to us not that long ago yeah yeah so um about like just like you know yeah mm -hmm. trying to monetize the year one zero theory amongst other things for identifying clients early yeah. um so there's there's a market for it but i think some of these players need it because i think you see a lot of these guys entering the portal from everywhere but now some of these bama guys and i guess you know the nil basically being non-existent there makes a little bit of sense when you're discussing this but they're all outside of outside of maybe five programs depending on your position if you're serious about football and you're serious about getting to the NFL and making like the actual money and not a 200 grand, which like, don't get me wrong. If you gave me 200 grand tomorrow, yeah, sign me <laughs> the heck up. I will get a tattoo on my ass. I don't really care. I'll do whatever. I'll get a face tattoo. But I think there is oftentimes a uh, ignoring the intermediate term money overtaking what is actually not very much in the short term. And I get, again, for some of these guys, like that intermediate money is not a guarantee. You could, you know, they could fall horribly at practice tomorrow and never be able to walk correctly again. And, and obviously all that intermediate money is gone. But the instances of that are so few and far between that going to a worse program than Alabama to play in a worse offense than Kalen DeBoer's um with you know potentially like a worse quarterback with a worse depth chart makes no monetary sense at all outside of you just want a quick check that is not going to be as much as you're going to get in a year or two right i and i texas agree this is one of the schools where like that's understandable for, from bond's perspective mm -hmm. texas maybe georgia oregon early in the offseason but all their spots are filled there's not that many there's not yeah. that many ohio state maybe depending on the position yeah, I and I I agree with that. I agree with you. I would if I'm a player, I would want to maximize my long-term outlook and not just go for the quick check. I would want to cuz you're going to get a check no matter where you go. Yeah. It's just, you know, is it going to be 200k or is it going to be 100k? You know, and like you Realistically, said Realistically, those two amounts are the same, right? For for what we're talking about here. Yes. $100,000 and $200,000 are the exact same thing. Right. For what we're talking about here, if you're telling me, you know, give me $200 or $200,000, I'm a wide receiver. You give me $200,000 and I'm going to go to Georgia, or you give me $100,000 and I'm going to go to a school that could maximize my skill set, you know, Oregon pre everybody being set, mm -hmm. um, you know, Washington when they had DeBoer or Alabama USC. with the or USC, somewhere like that, where I'm, my skill set is going to get maximized and highlighted in a better way and increase my long-term potential. Like, yeah, like that $100,000 is not going to make that much of a difference to me. I would have the long-term mindset, but I do understand that, a, a, you know, a bird in the hand saying, so get what you can now because you never know what's going to happen. So I understand that, but I think it's just very short-sighted. And for the record, I don't even want to call it long term. I'm calling it intermediate term because, like, long, like, yeah. two years from now is not long term. Like, right. that is, you're not thinking that many steps ahead. If you're Isaiah Bond, you're basically thinking, I just have to go to Texas and do exactly what I did this year, maybe a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And I'm, 
going top 70 in the draft or something like right. that. So just because of how athletic he is. Like, I I, I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. The, the guy that prompted, like, this really thinking through my head was Amari Nyblack, who was also in the yeah. portal here for Alabama. Like, where the hell are you going to go, buddy? You're not that good. You have fewer than, what, 400 career receiving yards at Alabama? You're going to, if yeah. he goes to Texas, he's going to get, he's going to be at best a fifth option on the team, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't know where else he's going to, he's 215 pound tight, move tight end that it can't move enough to play a wide receiver. I, I don't understand what some of these guys are doing. I just, it, it's, it's mind boggling to me. Meanwhile, Alabama is so desperate for pass catchers that he could probably stay there and be their third option or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, because you know we'll talk about that a little later as well. But everybody jumping ship. Uh, Malik Benson got out of there before yeah. any of this happened, and I think he's actually in a pretty good spot in in Florida State, where you know there's not a lot of other guys there that we love. With Wilson and Coleman both leaving, a couple other guys here and there, but no proven talents. DJU no is yeah. DJU is a competent Bell. I think is leaving too. Yes, yeah, so that's why no Gene yeah. Bell. Like in terms of just like guys on the pecking order, mm-hmm. you know, Trey Benson caught a fair amount of passes last yeah. year. He's gone. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, he got ahead of the whole thing, but he was at Alabama. He's gone. There's just so many other guys that Shaz Preston left too. Like even he was on the depth chart at least. So yeah, they, there's a dearth of, of wide receiver talent there. Yeah. And speaking of other guys, they've already lost this year, you know, not uh, Roy Dell Williams and Jace McClellan, not pass catchers per se, but both running backs, both mm-hmm. gone um so in the backfield talk about in a little bit but you know haynes um uh jam richard young the two guys they bring in this year who i don't think are that good but they're going there um jermaine burton's gone like you said malik benson's gone i mean this was already we talked about last year there malik benson actually ran a lot of routes last year and didn't do shit like this was a very not very untalented receiver room overall relative they, they've really swung and missed on a bunch of classes recently i think it all started with that jacory brooks uh jojo earl uh jai hall class that yeah. they all um for various re- basically a different reason for all of them uh didn't work out there and they kind of fell off from there the other big name that that is not going there now is ryan williams true freshman well to true freshman to be 16 years old junior reclassified so that you get enter here in the 2024 class. If you're not familiar with him, we have him, I believe, consensus here at Campus Canton as our wide receiver three. He was the wide receiver one in next year's class. And I didn't check to see where the services have him now that he's reclassified. I know he's not above Jeremiah Smith. So at best he's I think he's I think he's probably behind Hudson for the services too. Um so uh but but he's up there. He's I've been calling him Devonta Smith but like a plus athlete essentially. Like not that Devonta is a bad athlete, but he's like a plus plus athlete. He's mm-hmm. like six foot one seventy five, um, just fast, 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 fast. Can get open pretty well. If hands can be a bit iffy, uh, but definitely a get. And was was going to really be, you know, if he stayed at at Alabama, I wouldn't have put it past him to be their wide receiver two, probably next year. He's decommitted. Sounds like Auburn is in the driver's seat. Texas A&M and Texas also getting visits from him. We'll see where he ends up. And then I actually saw that there they also had the number three wide receiver in the 2025 class. Um, uh, French is his name. Mm-hmm. Jamie uh, French. And for he, French. For French. He decommitted today too. So we'll see if if Kalen DeBoer can get some of these guys back. Um, but 
I mean, portal zone was empty at this point. Not a lot of talent still there. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens to the wide receiver there at Alabama next year. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I think if I'm a wide receiver, if I'm Ryan Williams, I'm at least taking Kalen DeBoer's phone call, you know, because he's about to get three wide receivers drafted. He's going to get one drafted in the first round. And I think one of Polk or McMillan will end up on day two. I bet they uh, both will. Pro- probably, but I think w- I feel good that w- at least one of them will and the other one would be early day three at worst. But I, all three of those guys are going to get drafted pretty highly. Like why? And that guy just put, you know, Jalen Cropper. He was he like a fourth round pick, I think, fourth or fifth out of Fresno around State. Yeah. You know, and that's out of Fresno State. So like he has production uh from wide receivers at varying levels um there was a guy at indiana whose name's escaping me who who got a little bit of draft capital too so like uh um yeah i know who you're talking about yeah that name just escapes me yeah yeah but this this is a a very good offensive coach he get he maximizes wide receiver talent i'm taking that phone call at the very least and if i'm ryan williams i'm looking around at that room and being like i could step in and be the man year one potentially so yeah maybe he, he gets re-recruited back there but it does really seem like he, he auburn is is in the driver's seat here which is a real shame because they have three five-star borderline five-star guys coming yeah. in if he goes there in one class and you have to figure you know that it probably squeezes one of them out not that that room was particularly deep last year i think they were actually running caleb burton out there for like a decent amount of snaps um jay fair i think was still there at really really bad room last year um so uh who knows there are some rumors that potentially you know with kalen devore going in there and jed fish taking his job that maybe tet mcmillan noah fafita are now free agents could but could they be interested in going to alabama playing with devore there um the word the word is that they don't want to follow jed fish because they're not happy that he left essentially we heard the same thing from oregon state guys too and you know we just saw well the guys that were vocal about it did not go that's true it was like damian martinez and those guys did not go true Uh, so uh, i'm not sure i want to dju and his dad were very critical uh of it all um which is hilarious no dj dj's dad does behind the scenes with a bunch of guys so um just just yeah bizarre stuff but so that could be on the table it'd be interesting to see obviously i think both of those guys step in as uh the guy at their respective positions um you know while we're on the topic we we can just talk tet and fafita mm-hmm. we're all assuming they're a package deal because they played in high school together um yeah and i think that's a, a fair assumption I, they both are very productive throwing mm-hmm. to and catching from yeah. the other so it makes mm-hmm. sense um I think the tough part about doing it this late in the cycle uh, is that a lot of places are already have already filled kind of these openings that they might have had. Like you don't think that, um, like quite frankly, USC could have potentially been in the market for these guys. Uh, they can go ruin another or, uh, Arizona wide receiver. You don't <laughs> think that, uh, quite frankly, maybe Washington mm-hmm. or not Washington, Oregon would have been. In, in the market for one of those two, if you can get them as a package deal, Fafita maybe is a little worse than Dale, Dale and Gabriel, but you know, you probably get multiple years of them. You get one year of Ted McMillan, blah, blah, blah. Well, you had Dante, Dante Moore there too. They might not have. Maybe, maybe yeah, we'll see. But maybe. Washington, I think just naturally makes sense at this point. I mean, I, I think 
I don't think Ohio State would have called, but that could have been interesting. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. we know Miami would have been knocking on the door with a bunch of cash because that's what Miami does. It's all they have. Um, so I think you know their their options are a little more limited. But I do think Alabama is an obvious spot. Some other ones that I think would be interesting: Texas A and M. It's late in the cycle. What does this do yep. for Connor Wegman and Co? I don't know, but that would be interesting if they both went there. Um, uh, oh, I had another one off the top of my head, and now I'm I, I'm I'm blanking on it here. Um, but I think I, I, I think I think there's very few options if you want to take both of those guys as a package deal. Where Fafita, probably the obvious starter, and Tet, you know, I, I think he would start at every school in the country. Maybe not Ohio State. I think he would start probably. At Ohio State. Like that's the only school that could come to mind that I'm like, eh, maybe not. But even then. Man, I don't know. We we do we did bring in Julian Fleming. Um, you know, it does seem, does seem like we're gonna bring back uh Keandre Lambert Smith uh at this point. Was he um, in the portal? No, but he could declare uh, he has not yet. Um yeah, I mean we we got some guys we're bringing back. Maybe maybe we could work him in. Fair enough. Um so that's that's an interesting domino, I think, here. Um, as we mentioned. Uh, earlier you know will rogers has entered the portal re-entered the portal um does he yeah, follow devor you know i think i think there is a there, there is a th- fine line for a coach between believing enough in what you do offensively as from a scheme perspective to think that a player could could work your scheme at any level while also realizing that my resources now are a little different than the ones I had two days ago. Um, so is that, is that a viable option? Uh, and if not, where does Rogers go? Not sure. There's a ton of places. Uh, maybe Washington state comes to mind. I, 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 I'm really not sure quite frankly, where he's going to go. Um, but your guy, Austin Mack entered the portal too. Um, who was the heir apparent at Washington, everybody. Um, and now, I think if you're DeBoer, again, assessing exactly what I have access to now, like why would I ever want Austin Mack when I have Julian Sane coming in this year? You know, yeah. like if I if I need like a long-term plan, Austin Mack is like five levels behind what Julian Sane is, quite frankly. So I'm not quite that far, but he is a couple levels below. Pretty far below. He's a couple levels below. Um, I still like Austin Mack as a talent, but this obviously is another example of the craziness of college football and all the transferring and all the coaching movements and everything like that. Just as a reason not to invest in these four-star QBs uh, that are going to big programs and that seem like they could be the heir apparent. You know, this is the biggest takeaway for me this year is that that strategy is essentially dead. Um, looking at things like that, like Austin Novosad is, it has cratered in value. Kenny Minchie, Austin Mack, those guys have cratered in value. And those were guys that I was, I was taking a lot of like looking at See, the in, landscape. In, in fairness, I would have, I, I think by maybe a May or June, I, we were saying pretty hard on the show. Don't take Kenny Minchie. Were we not? Um, I have zero Kenny Minchie. I actually, I, that's a lie. I'm pretty sure I got him maybe in the program as a recruit. So I, I, I don't him. think I don't think we were saying that by that point. Um, and and for the record, I'm not 100 percent out on him. Um, if I have him, I'm not cutting him just because I think he fits a little bit better what Denbrock would want to do than like Steve Angeli. And if 
Riley Leonard gets hurt again. I don't know, maybe. But no CJ Carr. I thought I don't I didn't like CJ Carr. Do you like? No, CJ I have Carr? him as like QB thirty in the class or something. I think. Yeah, I was to say I thought we hated uh, him. Yeah. <laughs> not hated him. Thought we did not like. His, yeah, I think he's set. terrible person. I didn't know. Here he kicks puppies. Um, um. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you know. And, and at this point, with Austin Mack too, all of the chairs are filled, so to speak. Even Miami just brought Ward back. Um, you know, so that takes up another chair there. Like I had, I legitimately have no idea where he is going to end up. Um, I. That's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough look for him uh, at this point, And it's tough to, to save much hope for him. Yeah. His best bet is like going like way down. I go think. do the, do the Malachi Nelson route and, and go. I, I think further, somewhere. I would have said like San Diego state's really been working to paper over that quarterback situation. Um, they've brought in, I think one or two transfers. They signed a local, like the highest three-star kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I think that would have been a great spot with Sean Lewis or someplace like that. Um, yeah. honestly, I don't like go to Colorado to try to be the backup there. I, I, I don't, don't I don't have, like that. <laughs> they don't have a recruit signed in the next like two classes. That's worth anything at the position. I mean, I'm not, what do we really think Dion's going to be there? I don't even know. That's Probably the thing. Not. See, that's, that's the thing. Like, he, I don't like, know. That I think Dion's he has to be. take a pretty big step down. Quite frankly, I don't think. I think it's hilarious that you think Colorado, that you're saying Colorado is a bigger step down. How how many? I don't disagree. Oh, it is. Yeah, it is. I don't necessarily disagree, but there are a lot of people who would take uh, offense to that. Those are people whose opinions I don't particularly care to listen to. Let's put it that way. That's the nice way I'll put it. There's not very many people whose opinions you care to listen to. That's very true. Very true. That's why you should be flattered that I do this show with you every week. Um, Well, I don't. Sometimes I question how much you you care about my opinion. It's occasional, and I'll take that. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. Um, I don't, Washington wide receivers calling is the other point that I wanted to touch on here real quick. We really were advocating pretty hard on kind of stashing some of these guys, mm-hmm. specifically Jeremy Bernard. You like um, Denzel, Denzel Boston. Boston. Mm-hmm. Um, they brought in Jeremiah Hunter from Cal. I thought that was a really yeah. uh, fun, interesting move, presuming that that offense was going to say the exact same, and now it's not. These guys do have another day to hop in the portal. Mm-hmm. I actually don't know. as what I'm assuming Washington's classes haven't started yet because Mac entered like a day or two ago. So I, I Mac, entered they, to, Mac entered today. Oh, he entered today. Mm-hmm. Okay. I thought, but he, I, I thought he entered I, yesterday. I don't know how the – semesters and schedule works at washington the academic oh, yeah. calendar because they're in quarters so like i don't know how that works i don't know why any school does that quarter i don't understand it either but washington does so i i legitimately have no idea what their academic calendar looks like yeah i don't either um but if i'm i'm a guy like hunter i'm probably seeing what i can do in terms of not going there mm-hmm. I, it's all going to be a quarterback it all depends on what they're going to do with quarterback. Because mm-hmm. I think if Jed Fish comes in there and Fafita and Tet enter tomorrow and they do end up following him, obviously, like, I think that's a, still a great spot. You know, Hunter can be the mm-hmm. two, the McMillan's one. They've got Fafita. You've got a coach who's shown. I mean, he took Arizona, which was that Arizona team worse than that Colorado team that Dion took over last year? I would I say so. yes at that yeah. time, at that moment. In time, it was probably very won. on par, at least. And yeah. he, in two years, had that team like 
freaking looking like an actual threat nationally. I mean, what they what they finish the year at like fourteenth or something in the country. Yeah, fourteen. It's, it's pretty high. Top fifteen team either way. I mean, it's pretty yeah. pretty ridiculous. Um, so I, I just think if they can figure out the quarterback there, I think you know guys like Hunter, like Bernard, like you know if they bring in Ted or someone like that are going to be more than fine i think you know uh well continue on almost business is, is what we expected i think an int another interesting part here is that a, a that jed fish kind of has a break glass in case of emergency option with Jaden delara still in the portal oh, that's true that's true he has not committed anywhere if he can't get fafita and tet to come with him what do you think that relationship is like though well i think it's it depends hard on how it happened right? yeah it's true but i, I I think the Fafita played so well that it was hard to give that job back to Delara. And then he continued to play really well. And that team was really successful. So it probably hurts, but it doesn't hurt quite as much, especially if, if he fish comes and's like, Hey, I need you to be my guy here at Washington. I got nothing. Like, I don't even have Dylan Morris hanging out here. The other quarterback that they had that I don't even know his name, I saw he entered the portal. They have nothing at quarterback. So Delaro would step in and immediately be the guy. So like I said, break glass in case of emergency. If they can't get Fafita, that could be an option. It's an interesting uh, alternate option there. Any final thoughts on the Saban DeBoer Jetfish carousel movement here Colin no like I said I just the a, a parting shot per se here is just I hate how late that all of this is happening mm -hmm. like we've said it a couple times in the slack behind the scenes and, and and I think in the discord once or twice too but they really need to do something to adjust this schedule like I understand with these are colleges they are academic institutions so the academic calendar has to come into play but there has to be a way to rework this because these coaches getting in the portal so late is real or like moving so late it is really hurting some of these players and where they can go. Um, you know, their options are very limited and we've talked about a little bit recruiting too, where like recruiting during bowl season or early signing day, like all of this is just a crazy time of year and it's really difficult to manage for all of these places and people end up being significantly negatively impacted. So I think we need to rework that somehow. Here's a hot take I'll throw out Colin. I think the easiest way to fix this without um, shuffling around a ton of stuff at the end of the season, I do think, you know, I think you could squeeze all the bowl games into one week and you'd be fine. Like, yes. Okay. We're going to miss that. I can just go watch some two dog shit teams play each other on Wednesday night on, on, on December 16th. Um, and it's fun because it's degenerate stuff and we like college football, whatever. And you can talk about, you know, Oh, look how much it matters to the kids. Cause now they won six games instead of five, <laughs> but like realistically in the grand scheme of things, having multiple of those games per day, like really does nothing for, you know, it, it doesn't harm anything outside of maybe some advertising bucks, which granted feels the whole thing. That's... But I, I think the easiest way to do it is that you get rid of early enrolling. And then you make it so that you can do practices earlier in the summer. Hmm. I think I that think, could work. I think that's the easiest way to solve some of that problem. I think getting rid of early enrolling hurts freshmen a little bit because they can't get in there in spring. Why? Not if you you give you can give them the playbook. They can watch film. You know, they can join film or film room or something remotely if they want. 
but no on-field stuff until May 31st. I don't think that's a bad deal overall. And I think yeah. already, I don't This doesn't need to be a big discussion. They, the, some <laughs> We're of 45 minutes in and we haven't even hit have like- unified academic calendars mm-hmm. so that schools like Stanford can't even take early enrollees most of the time. Although I've heard that over the past couple of years, they're kind of loosening some of the restrictions yeah. that they had there. But like, how, how much BS is that, that because of how your school's calendar works out, you can't even participate in some of this stuff. Yeah. Like, well, and it's really that? hurt Stanford. It has. Stanford it very much hurt Stanford. Yes. Yes. Which is like the big one that I think of, but any yeah. of those schools that do quarters like Washington mm-hmm. um, or some of those other ones, you know, either can't do early enroll or they're a little more limited in terms of getting some of these guys out of the portal. Cause you have to do it like ASAP or their guys have to enter the portal where they might've stayed if they had an extra week to think about it because they have right. class on Monday. So I, it's just, just a, just a suggestion. Um, Real quick, the only other news item that I have is Evan Stewart to Oregon. It's good, right? I mean, it's probably that's, about, about that's the best great. spot he could have gone I to. I think, um, yeah, the best spot he could have gone to. Love him in that Will, uh, Will Stein offense with Dylan Gabriel throwing him the ball. Uh, I had Luther Burden ahead of him for C2C purposes, and I'm gonna because I I knew what production I was gonna get out of Burden, and I, I like both of them for Debbie purposes. So that is going to bump Evan Stewart up to my wide receiver one for uh, C2C purposes now. I already had Stewart there. So um, I have him there for Debbie, but I liked. I so if, if you have a number one for Debbie, I don't know that the it's a tiebreaker, the, well, I mean, I think he's, I think he's a decently more projectable player than Luther Burton. No, you don't, you don't think so. Anyway, um, we, we, we are, we were very pro like, do not fade Luther Burton last offseason. Like mm-hmm. we both very have liked yes. Luther Burton. We have not, we have not turned our backs on Luther Burton. But mm-hmm. I just think like I can see Evan Stewart in an NFL offense tomorrow pretty easily. Luther Burton, I think it, it there are some places where he could land where maybe he would not be quite as effective. Yeah, I think that's fair. I still think Luther Burton could be really, really interesting in the NFL for fantasy purposes. But a discussion for another day because we're 45 minutes into this and we have uh a lot of of good stuff to get to later as well like yeah i like this topic yeah i think it's a fun one because as we talked last week you know for the new year here we're kind of going to walk through not only like the process of building our rankings through the year but also kind of the micro discussions that happen within the time frame as we're building them um and i think obviously one of them is as you start you know shifting some of these guys around you're like holy crap like I have player X at like wide receiver nine and nobody is talking. Like, I, I think there might be a, you know, potential buy window here before uh, spring happens and people maybe start catching on here. Um, so that's going to be our next topic real quick. Before we do hop in there, guys head on over to home field apparel. You guys can get uh, 15% off a purchase there with promo code campus to Canton, like our name campus, the number two Canton Colin just flashed me under his robe. Uh, <laughs> not that, end of the robe the top half and he is wearing a home field shirt what was that a ucla basketball shirt colin mm-hmm. you are it is. as we have probably discussed on the show before your slew of teams that you root for is disgusting and i hate you for it <laughs> you're not like yankees cowboys no bad, no i'm not i don't like, pick teams because i don't bandwagon but it's random yeah not random is. i have reasons but it's seemingly random meanwhile every team that i've ever rooted for 
originates in Pittsburgh, and I will not root for anybody outside of those borders. To hell with all of you. Um, but I do think home field, I don't just buy Pitt stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I just bought a Texas shirt that's really cool. Um, okay. That uh, it's like a hook em with like a cactus doing like the horn thing. Uh, really okay. Cool. I, was, I, was I think you happy. sent me that one uh, at one point. It's mm-hmm. like a picture of it, not actually send it to me. Yes. Yes, I did. So I was wearing that yesterday. Today I'm wearing all campus to Canton stuff. I know we're right. not doing live today, but I got got this sweet custom new era uh, sweatshirt. Got a. Oh, I found the other day when I was uh, cleaning out just stuff looking for something. Um, the box from the first year we went to the expo, like we had like this huge box mm-hmm. and it still has like a bunch of, not a bunch, but several old, like the original Campus Canton t-shirts. Oh, okay. And there was one in large. So um, there you go. Yeah. Is I that got the, it's the, blue, the royal blue one? Royal blue. I've got black. Thanks. I've got gray now. And I've got a, I think I found a schmedium in there and okay. maybe an XL or something too. So maybe those are something we can, uh, we can ship off at some point to a, I feel a lucky like- listener. I feel like in like four or five years, once we're once we're huge, you know, once ESPN or, or one of the three letter networks picks us up, um, those will be vintage and then we'll give those away. So you're saying we should hold on to it and then sign it and send it to somebody. They yeah. Can frame it and put it on their wall. Yeah, for yeah. sure. The OG C2C crew. Who is that? Oh, yeah. the, the six original founders, Dwight Peebles, uh, Chris Moxley and mm-hmm. Matt um, Fox. Fox, were those our original nine essentially? I believe so. Yeah, I think so. I believe so. So that was a, a simpler time for sure. For sure. Um, home field apparel. Okay. <laughs> home field apparel. Bye. Bye. Game. All right. Um, five buys, five sells is what I call this segment, Colin. When I messaged you earlier today, uh, what I, I tasked us with doing here tonight is we each picked five players that we're buying right now and five players that we're selling. But no, it's not just going to be a list of go buy these. What I wanted each of us to do is that I wanted us to basically assign a cost one through five, one being the cheapest, five being like I'm buying high on a first round guy because the value is not going to go anywhere and then, you know, might actually even go up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we had to pick one kind of one guy from each of those categories, you know, progressively getting a little more expensive. And then I wanted us to kind of thought thought exercise what we would uh the price should be essentially uh fair price for you uh to go buy one of these players so we did it for buys and we actually did it for sells as well and i just found this to be an interesting exercise as i was working through some of my rankings here uh this weekend just dropping in some new names thinking about you know what what does you know new quarterback at this school mean for for some of the skill guys and, yeah i need and to onward. rework some of this with some of the movement that we've had yeah yeah <laughs> it's still ongoing so this is why i said like our rankings really don't fully roll over until the end of the month because there's just like yeah. so much going on and then we add the freshmen and yeah. all this other stuff so it's just um keeping track of all that is um quite frankly um very time cons- like it just yeah. it, it takes a long time to do it and yep. like Spend some time with your families, guys. Like you don't need to be trading that much in January, and like, yeah, like take a chill pill. So, um, just my opinion. I, I I get annoyed when people say this is a year-round game. It's like bite me. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, so let's start with our our buys, Colin. And and I want to hear. I, I guess your cheapest one first. I think this is an interesting name. Yeah, so my cheapest buy first here is um, Sean Atkins, wide receiver for USF. Uh, strictly CFF guy, uh, not what's that? He's very scrappy. Yeah, 
scrappy player, real gym rat, last guy in, uh, no, or last. First guy in, last guy out. Stop describing how you, your your work ethic here anymore. <laughs> uh, coaches love this kid. Good dude. That one's for Felix. Um, <laughs> Good human being. Um, but yeah, Sean Atkins, wide receiver, USF, strictly a CFF option here. But he was a top 20 CFF wide receiver last year. I believe he finished at 15, 15, 17, somewhere, one of those, um, depending on your league settings. There's going to be continuity on offense. They bring back Alex Golish at head at head coach so that offensive system is going to be the same uh byron brown is still there as the quarterback uh, so this is one of the few um situations that we liked for fantasy that was productive last year that did not change it's untouched so i like that a lot uh sean atkins has a lot of volume too he only had one game all year with less than seven targets um and he had one game under 10 fantasy points, one game under 15. And after week three, he had six games over 20 fantasy points. So very productive, very consistent. He's he is probably on some waivers for you. You can probably pick him up in supplementals. You might not even need to trade for him. But if I am trading for him, I think you could buy him for like a sixth or seventh rounder. And honestly... I would probably go up as high as a late fourth. If I have like that's crazy four eleven to four twelve, I would consider going up that high. It feels very rich when I think, depending on what league you're in, there's still people taking Devi assets there, and not that like that like I, that, well that's it, for them that raises the value of that pick. Like for you, obviously, it doesn't change anything. Right, because I'm be doing that, but yeah, I'm drafting CFF. So my my thought process there is I'm drafting CFF options in that range. And I don't know how many other guys are out there. I haven't looked yet to see exactly. Well, um, the other annoying thing is that Fantrax, before the stuff rolls over, you can't go into players and click on a player and see and if they're rostered in a yeah. league or not, which is yeah. just truly the most annoying thing on the planet. It re it really is. It really is. But um, I, I that's generally the range that I am getting uh, a cff guy in and he, he i don't know how many better guys i'm going to be able to get in that range than sean atkins so i probably wouldn't pay the late fourth like like i said 411 412 i probably wouldn't pay that right now i would give it a little bit to see how that supplemental draft is going to shake out who's going to be available in that pool um but i think at the end of the day i would potentially be willing to go up that high um, and he is a rostered in 27 percent of leagues so decent chance he's available anyway. Yeah. So here would be, and I, I also, you know, kind of have a player and a, a similar level of player at, at, at this point. So I do think it's worth making this note now in terms of, you know, the, the dirt cheap option. Um, if it's a CFF player uh, only, and when we say CFF player only for any of our new listeners, as we're rolling into the new here, we're, we're going to try to be uh, as inclusive with some of our terminology as we can um, so that we're not losing anybody here in this discussion. Um, CFF college fantasy, obviously with C2C league, you've, you've got your college league, you got your NFL league, uh, you got championships on both sides here. So obviously the college fantasy value of, for players matters. You know, if they're, they're not putting up college fantasy points, then you know, that, that, that dings their value long-term for a guy that we perceive as having no NFL future, therefore being quote unquote CFF only. So many of these guys are a dime a dozen. That depending on what your waiver setup is, I am very hesitant to pay any sort of pick that isn't like the last three rounds 
for guys like Sean Atkins or a couple of the guys that I actually like the, 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 I, I, I'm going to talk about the San Diego state offense turning around here with Sean Lewis. Some of those guys, you know, they're, they're pretty cheap right now too. Um, it might not be worth it because during, once the season rolls around, you can go pick up a, you, you can go and pick up Sean Atkins last year, whatever this year's version of that is, or, uh, uh, what, Noah Smith or whatever at, at Sam Houston last year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Joey Hobart at, uh, Texas state. Um, these guys were all, uh, borderline ish. I mean, Drake Stoops had multiple, like 30 point weeks last year in mm-hmm. PPR. There, there are these guys hanging around. So I am just a little hesitant right. telling people, especially for like a sixth that mm-hmm. I would be spending that. I think I would, I think the, you're better off not doing that. But I think well, it's what also hard. Of, to, I, I what think type of player are you looking of, to get at that spot? So I, I think what you're trying to do for some of these guys in reality, because first off, if you just go to somebody and you say, I want to buy Sean Atkins from you, they're like, what do you know that I don't know? So exactly. Yeah. First off, that's very that's a very difficult trade to pull off in its yes. own right. He's probably more of a throw-in type guy, I, I which think, is probably I how a, I would approach I it. But it's hard in. to say yes. throw-in piece, you yes. know, because that's a little more abstract. Yeah. But I think you could say, you know, if you're trying to tear, you can tear down slightly from um, CJ Baxter to Trevor Etienne at the running back position. Baxter at Texas, Etienne now at Georgia. You can tear down and throw in a CFF piece and maybe a late pick to to balance it out because I think people perceive Baxter as being worth more in reality. In reality, I'd probably rather have Etienne. We're going to talk about that here in a few minutes, I think. But um, I think a trade like that would make sense where you can kind of get a guy like Atkins thrown in um, as, as kind of a filler. Um, and that, that tends to be the way to do it. Yeah, I think that's a better route to go than straight supplemental. But if I'm buying for supplemental, like I said, sixth, seventh round is what I would look to go to. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, my cheap one is the San Diego State offense. And I think it's a little difficult still at this juncture because we don't exactly know who the quarterback's going to be. Uh, Jalen Maiden is the incumbent. What is... Does, what does that look like? Is he still the guy there? They bring in AJ Duffy uh, from um, uh, uh, Florida State. Um, so uh, that's presumably a competition. I believe they signed a freshman as well. I don't I don't think they'll try to freshman out there, but I, I don't know that for sure. But I think you can kind of start looking at some of the wide receivers. Sean Lewis has generally had very productive receivers no matter where he's been. Uh, that means that probably Lewis Brown, who was at uh, Colorado State last year, and we thought might step into kind of a more uh, a bigger role there next year, but he he ended up paying the portal. So Brown is a guy that I'm I'm looking at. It's pretty cheap if somebody's already stashed him. Um, and they actually bring in um, uh, and I didn't write it down, and now I'm I'm beating myself up or uh, Poke or whatever, Deshaun Poke or whatever. He was at oh, West Virginia yeah, was, last year. Yeah, the year yeah. Before that, and he was at Kent State before that, I think, right? maybe that would make sense to read yeah yeah i think he was at kent state um with sean lewis before that that would make sense uh i i honestly am blanking on that but he's there now like i think kind of targeting some of those guys cheap if they're out there is uh is an interesting uh move uh we already kind of discussed the value there honorable mention jacoby lane the usc true freshman who is kind of the fourth fiddle there but did have three targets in the bowl game and had three catches for 60 yards and two touchdowns. Um, but I still think no one's really talking about him. Now, granted, I think there's some digestion period between the bowl games and then like real life once spring rolls around. So, you know, but again, that's kind of why, you know, in February you can, or, or now, but like you can start targeting some of these guys. Mm-hmm. And if they have been out of the public discourse for a while, uh, a little easier to make that work. 
number two, so it's slightly slightly more expensive. Probably still, you know, pretty cheap though. You're not you're still not really spending up here for these guys. Yeah, my next guy is Kevin Coleman, uh, the wide receiver, formerly of Jackson State. Then he went to Louisville last year. Really did next to nothing. Twenty six catches, one hundred seventeen yards. Um, Whoa, for- really? He averaged four four yards per reception. Oh no, that's that's punt returns. I'm sorry. Um, I was gonna say, holy, <laughs> like really not expensive. No, 26 catches, 362 okay. yards, and two that, touchdowns. That sounds. Uh, I was looking at I was looking at his punt and kick returns. Uh, but yeah, so but either way, really did not do that much last year. Now he had Jamari Thrash ahead of him. That offense kind of sputtered down the stretch. But Kevin Coleman is now going to Mississippi State. Uh, the leading wide receiver returning for Mississippi State is Justin Robinson who went 21 catches for 257 yards. That's rough. But he's also 6'4", 220 pounds. So there's zero overlap in skill set here. But I think Kevin Coleman really could fill that Marvin Mims, Andrew Anthony, Nick Anderson role in that Jeff Levy offense. Um, There's nobody else on that roster that can do that. And that role has been productive. Like So this past year, Andrew Anthony played six games and he got hurt. Uh, and didn't play, or he got hurt for the rest of the year, didn't play that. But he had, in that stretch, he had 200-yard games, three games with 15 or more fantasy points. After that, Nick Anderson kind of stepped into that role after week six. He also had two 100-yard games and two more games with 90 yards, 90-plus yards. Uh, the year before that, Marvin Mims uh, in that type of a role. Four 400-yard games, another game with 98 yards, two more with 80 yards. So it's a it's a productive role in Levy's offense. It's a barren wide receiver room. Um, and I think he is he is dirt cheap right now. So, you know, we, your cost is going to be baked. The risk is going to be baked into the cost that this Mississippi State team is just flat out not good next year. Uh, Blake Shapin at quarterback, I don't love that. Um, they're in the SEC. They're going to get knocked around. Volume might be there. That might help. But either way, I think that risk is going to be baked in here with, with Kevin Coleman. Um, and I would treat I, I would probably say he's a little bit more expensive than sean atkins uh just because there's still some of the name value on there but i think i would look in the round in the same range i'd probably go like a fifth sixth for for kevin coleman um or again as a throw-in piece into a trade but it is difficult to go to somebody and say hey what do you want for kevin coleman or i'll give you this for kevin coleman because then they start to think that you're pulling something over on them especially if like one of us does it yeah, it's uh it's a cursed life I live. Um fair enough. Uh my tier two guys, and there I think some of these guys are gonna be kind of close. It's gonna depend on your league mates. Um right. but I, I put as my purest answer, Xavier Restrepo. And maybe you could argue that he should be the next tier up, you know, maybe a little more expensive than I'm I'm painting him here, but I do consider him for the most part a CFF only player. I don't think there's a lot of NFL upside here. You know, maybe he's um funnily and i I think braxton barrios is also a miami guy like maybe he's braxton barrios or something like that but um like that that kind of player i don't i don't know that there's like a a ton more upside uh beyond that quite frankly when we're talking about the nfl um but i think with cam ward now saying he's not going to the nfl that he's going to um uh, go to miami 
I think that elevates a lot of guys in the offense. And really, you know, I know that part of it's been the function of the offenses that Cam Ward has been in over the past couple of years, but that he's, he's targeted the slot pretty freaking heavily. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lincoln Victor had himself a pretty darn good year last year, as did uh, with Josh Kelly, the other slot guy. I think they rolled out four receivers. I think he was the other slot. Kelly, I had to double check that. Yeah, they moved Kelly around a bit. Um but I think he did a decent amount in the slot. Carlos Hernandez stepped in there yeah, for stretches. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When when Victor was out, so I mean he he has um you know made the slot kind of his friend. So I think Restrepo, who had like 119 targets or something last year, uh, should be in potentially for even more volume. And even if it's not necessarily a ton more, like a, a noticeable appreciable amount, it will be probably a little more consistent. Um, Restrepo had some games last year, uh, where he had like two targets and then he had somewhere he had like 20. Um, so I'd be okay if he never had a 20 target game, but had a lot of 11 target games, that'd be real cool. Um, so I'm hoping that happens this year, some honorable men and uh, just in terms of value, um, honestly, like if I have Restrepo, if there's Restrepo and I have like a year one zero kind of guy like Cordell Russell, who someone is still interested in. I would try flipping them for a guy like Restrepo who, you know, if somebody has, they might be thinking, you know, low upside, I can replace that, you know, one of the, you know, a, a zero, even, even maybe like a jury on Dickey. Like, I, I think this might be the type of uh, value that I'm trying to get back for him. It's like a, a player that I know is probably going to contribute. Like I'm not, I'm trying not to trade jury on Dickey. Like I'm trying to make something out of him at this point. Uh, and not just you know, let them fall apart on my bench. Some honorable mention guys that I just tossed in here. Uh, Dante Dowdle, who we talked a little bit about last week, transferring mm-hmm. running back from Oregon to Nebraska, figures to probably uh, get some good run there. And Jared Brown, who transferred from Coastal Carolina to South Carolina, he might be their best receiver next year. And I think with, if Lenora Sellers does end up being their starter, having kind of an underneath safety blanket for him can be a really important position. And I don't think he's being talked about or really valued at such right now but again very early in the kind of discussion um and then rashad owens wide receiver at uh, oklahoma state who had a monster end of the year uh and i think he's uh really really interesting they're bringing the gang all back there um and i think he's uh similarly valued but could be a top 20 option next year for you yeah i mean i think that those are all good names um, in that range there. I think Jared Brown is, is also one that I'm kind of keeping my eye on, um, that step up from coastal Carolina is, you know, anytime their, their wide receivers are taking a step up G five to P five, it, it is a little bit concerning that they could flop in the step up to competition, but there's not really much else in that room. Um, and Lenora Sellis has to throw to somebody. So I like that. Yep. Uh, tier three here, Colin. Yeah, so this is a guy that you had also wrote down mm-hmm. um, in this same tier here, but uh, it's Jalen Hale, the wide receiver for Alabama. Um, and honestly, at this point, you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that he is the last man standing in that wide receiver room, really. You know, in Kalen DeBoer's system, um, there's we know we're going to want somebody there. I, I have a hard time thinking Alabama is going to be bad um with the board at the helm yeah, like obviously we have to see what the quarterback situation looks like but you know Jalen Hale broke the year one zero uh metrics he had 148 yards receiving on the year um so you know he 
he did a little bit here and there. Um, and I think his skill set, he is not Roma Dunze. Let's say that. But I think that would be the role that I would see him filling is the outside guy. He's a little bit more big bodied, um, probably the red zone target there for them as well. So I, I think he's. We'll see again. There's a lot that still will need to shake out at this point, but I, I do like Jalen Hale a lot. He's a, he's a big beneficiary of, of all of this moving for me. Um, yeah. And I just really quick counted as you were talking, cause I did put Hale as like my honorable mention uh, for this tier of player. Mm-hmm. If you, once I take out all the guys that are leaving, he's my wide receiver 20. That's high. And I think that would surprise. Like if you told somebody that they would be like, well, that's just like way too high without like necessarily sitting down and looking at the list. And there's even a couple guys in front of him that like, I, like I have, um, I have him a, like two or three spots behind um, uh, Tyler Brown, the true freshman last year mm-hmm. at Clemson. I think I'd probably rather have him than Tyler Brown at this point. Um, Dane key is in there. Would I rather have Jalen Hale than Dane key? Maybe, maybe uh, that's, that's going to be an interesting discussion there. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe as high as my wide receiver 18, when I uh, roll this over, um, Mikhail lemons in there too. I'd probably, I'd put, take him over Mikhail lemon at this point. So wide receiver 17, not a lot of people talking about Jalen Hale as wide receiver 17 today. So um, yeah. it could be a guy that, that you can go out. Uh, I think and get. price wise, I would pay um, a third for him. And I think okay. if somebody got was really saying- particular with me, I might be willing to give up a second. That's that's what I was going to say. Actually, I was like, I would probably give up a late second for him. That's probably around where the person what the person spent for him. Um, but if if I'm looking to trade it, it like a tier, um, I would tear down from, you know, one of the Texas trio or Barry and Brown and try and have them add a pick on top of that, like a second. I think you could you could go that route. I could see that. I could see that. Um, my guy in this tier was Jeremiah Hunter, uh, who we did mention earlier is now at Washington. And I think, you know, this is still going to depend a little bit on what do they end up doing with quarterback, but assuming that the, presuming that Jed fish brings somebody in who can throw the ball around a little bit, I think he, uh, is kind of the forgotten guy there right now. Um, didn't have an awful year last year at Cal. He's never really blown me away from a Debbie perspective. I think he's probably like around four guy. If I had to think maybe he has like. I don't know, like uh, Luke Reynolds, who's playing right now, is I'm like that kind of a career. <laughs> Not saying that's like a place style comp, but like you know, a guy that floats around for a little bit can kind of you know be interesting here or there. That's kind of what I envision him for the NFL. But I do think that he is potentially a guy that can help his stock a lot next year. A guy that not a lot of people are talking about, um, and if they do figure out the quarterback position, could be uh, very productive next year as kind of the foil to what Bernard uh, and Boston and some of those other, uh, we'd never figured out if Charles Jackson has more eligibility or not. Um, not. But uh, I think he he does something a little bit different than some of those guys offer. Uh, Him and Jackson are probably operate similarly. Yeah. Uh, Next tier up tier four here, Colin. These are, these tiers don't like actually like we're not, these are not like terms that we're actually using. I just wanted to kind of say the next most expensive guy. Yes. 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 Um, that would be Dante Moore for me, QB at Oregon. Um, I, I soured on him, you know, towards the end of the year, he, as a freshman had some ups and downs, made some freshman mistakes, got benched, didn't love that. 
and I think maybe that left a little bit too sour of a taste in my mouth, which I think also could have done that to others as well. Um, the move to Oregon, you know, he's going to have to sit and wait behind Dylan Gabriel and somebody might not want to sit and wait on a guy uh, who played as a freshman, was very up and down, didn't necessarily look great. And now he has to, you have to wait another year for him. So that, that might've created all of that together might've created a, a buy window here for you. But I think I was probably a little too harsh uh, on moving Dante Moore down earlier in the off season. I think he's a guy I'll move back up another couple of spots. We'll see. Um, still having my ranking shake out here, but Dan landing staying, I think is big because that means Will Stein is staying. You know, now maybe Will Stein leaves next year and gets a head coaching job somewhere else. And then, you know, we shoot ourselves in the foot and we're upset about that. But um, I think Dan Lanning is a, a good enough head coach that he would bring in another good offensive hire. Um, he seems to be a guy who just kind of gets it. So I think his opportunity at Oregon next year when Gabriel leaves is, is going to be really good. And you might have a frustrated owner there. Yeah, could definitely see that. Um, interesting. Yeah, I don't know that I'm... The nice thing about him having a city year is that it almost resets the expectation for him again. Mm -hmm. So from a value moving forward perspective, that is um, a, a really nice piece there. Um, I put down Justice Haynes. I liked that too. I saw you had him on the list. I also I would have put him here at this spot had you not. He's, I, I think, you know, he's still very much viewed by the masses for the most part as the RB2 in the class. Uh, and I'm not going to say that's the wrong place to have him. I think there's certainly arguments to be had between him and Cedric Baxter, who, uh, you know, did produce uh, at, at Texas down the stretch last year once Jonathan Brooks left and, and Brooks is gone. So, um, you know, you, intelligent people can argue about that and not have a correct answer between. The, you know, the, the two different sides, but I will say Haynes with McClellan and Roy Dell Williams leaving, as we mentioned earlier, it's kind of his backfield to lose. Now I would have felt a little more comfortable with saying, you know, like in the bowl game, he got, or not the bowl, like the playoff game. He got a mm -hmm. fair amount of run in that game. Yeah. I think he probably got the second without having this information in front of me at all. I'd wager that he was probably the running back that got the second most touches on the team. He was out there a decent amount. Um, I, he can do a little bit of everything. Um, and I still think, you know, he's being valued as maybe like the RB six when really I would take him over Nick Singleton and be very happy to do that. I, I think at this point I, I probably would as well. Now I do a separate discussion, but I do like that. I do like Kotal Nicky for Singleton. Um, I think that'll help him, but I, with Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams leaving, um, and what we saw Dylan Johnson do this year, you know, yeah. Kalen DeBoer doesn't just have good wide receivers. You know, Dylan Johnson boosted his stock immensely this year. Um, so, and I think Justice Haynes is, you know, five times the player that <laughs> Dylan Johnson is. So I, I, I do really like that, that call from, from Justice Haynes there. He, he would have been my, uh, on my list here as well. Had you not put him down first. If I have an early first, I'm willing to send it for Justice Haynes this year. If you had the 101 column, would you move it for Justice Haynes? No, probably not. 
I would need a little bit more than Haynes. I think just from a strict value perspective, the 101, I would at this point in time, I my 101 would either be Rayola or Jeremiah Smith. Um, I would have to really sit down and think about that, but I think you could get a little bit more to be honest. I have a 101 and I'm considering do I stay put and use it or do I move it? This is a leak, granted, that I also. I won the league last year and I mm. traded for this pick. So um, I have, I have some, you know, whatever to play around with. Um, but I have considered what, what am I going to do with this pick? Um, so I, I would consider it. I would consider moving a one-on-one for justice. Uh, I would consider okay. it. I don't think I would end up doing it, but it's not crazy. Yeah. I, I, and I don't think it would be insulting if you offer it to somebody else. No. Um, I did put honorable mention here as Trevor Etienne. Um, mm-hmm. who former you know, second going into his third year back Florida the past couple years now at Georgia, probably the best back on that roster right now. Um, I do think we'll still see some other guys rotate in there. Um, yep. But uh, this felt like a bit of a kill shot move from Georgia. Um, I think he's going to be excellent there. Um, and yes, you know, if you are not familiar with him, his brother is the running back for the uh, Jaguars. So, yeah, he's not he's not as talented as his brother. So I wouldn't go I'm not going to, you know, for Debbie perspectives, for NFL expectations, I'm not going to go quite that lofty. But I do think he is he's good. Colin's a longtime fan. I was a skeptic for a while. So, um, yeah. yeah, but he came from one of those offenses that in high school that was difficult to judge. He was a little pudgy. A little <laughs> kind of fat out there. Um, and then last one here, Colin, your buy high guy that's going to be expensive, but you don't care. Yeah, so that's Connor Wigman, the quarterback at Texas A&M. Um, and I think there's still an opportunity to buy Wigman because I don't think the rest of the C2C community is quite as high on him as we are. And, you know, you were you were there first before me, but I now have him as my QB1 in college as well. And I don't know that everybody has quite caught up to that. Like you said, there is a little bit of a lag between the end of the season and when people start to kind of catch up on values and things like that. So I think his value will rise a little bit as the off season goes on. So you're still buying high here, but the thing I really like with, with Wegman is again, assuming health, but the, the CFF production, I think you're going to get with him with Colin Klein as the offensive coordinator. I, I like that pairing. I think he's going to, you know, Will Howard was a very productive fantasy quarterback this year. I see that very much in his range of outcomes in terms of CFF production. So you're going to get a guy you can start on a weekly basis. And then I really like, I do like his skill set in for the NFL. He's got a very nice arm, the quick release. You could, he was a high, highly uh, recruited baseball player as well. Um, And you can kind of see that in his in his passing um so throws all three levels of the field really well i think uh, makes all the throws you need he's very mobile too yeah um, i think it's an underrated thing people don't realize and i was going to just toss that out there after you were done talking here if you take out sacks which like you know once you get the nfl th- those don't count towards your rushing totals he had uh in basically the three games that he played he got injured in that fourth game against auburn and like their second drive 31 rush yards 29 rush yards and 22 rush yards that's not that's definitely not bad. Like no. he, he can move a little bit. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then that wasn't the Colin Klein's offense. Like I said, Colin, yeah. Klein, will, Colin Klein will run him, you know? Um, so I, I don't think people have quite caught up to Connor Wigman 
I, I think it's coming, but I don't think they're quite quite caught up on the value there yet. So I think there's still an opportunity to buy him. Uh, and at this point, I would probably look to trade any other of those like perceived top quarterbacks into Wigman. If you can trade yours and a pick for Wigman, um, if you can trade um, Alar and a pick or, you know, any of those other top guys, someone might still have Alar above Wigman for what it's worth. I think some places still do. I, I probably, yeah. Some places probably do. Mm-hmm. I'm not totally out on Alar either yet. Sure. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I think, you know, where we're sitting here and saying we think Connor Wegman might be a better prospect at this juncture, I think we're probably still in the minority saying that. And we might be wrong, mm-hmm. but I think, yeah. you know, that's that's where we are right now. And I, yeah. I don't think a lot of other places are there right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, I put down Evan Stewart as mine. Um, mm-hmm. I just think he's a guy that the narrative forming around him right now a little bit mm-hmm. is that he's kind of a locker room malcontents, you know, a lot of AM fans who um I'll be honest, I don't really consider the Texas AM fan base one of the more knowledgeable fan bases out there. <laughs> yeah. um, They're very vocal though. Just straight up. Yeah, they have a lot to say. Um <laughs> have said, you know, they don't even think he was like he was like the third best receiver on their roster last year. Like that's all nonsense. He is an exceptional player. If he had stayed healthy last year, he would have had 80 for 1280. Like just straight up. Um, so I think him going to Oregon, he's immediately the best guy there. I expect about that. Yeah, I, I think he's gonna get just peppered with targets too. Like I, I think you know he can. The short intermediate game is kind of what Dylan Gabriel's bread and butter is, as mm-hmm. we've seen. You know, I, I would not trust him to consistently be throwing deep. So he's like the perfect guy to step in for Bo Nix, who they also obviously did not con- trust to throw consistently deep last year. I think you know you can kind of. Just put that together, and I think he's even more well-rounded than like Troy Franklin, who was very prolific in that offense yeah. last year. Um, I feel a little bad for like Tej Johnson because I think Johnson could have kind of filled that role, and now I think that's going to be mostly Stewart. Um, but I, I think he's going to have a huge year. Um, I think there's some some um, uh, small pushes for Burden to be above him, for Ted McMillan to be above him in the class. Is it Mecca Gluka above him now that he's returned to school? Um, we didn't even talk about, you know, oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. coming back. That's fine. Everyone else is covering that. Um, but I, I think, you know, he's a guy that I just have no problem buying. Cause I think, I, I, I think, I don't think the value is going down next year. And I think he's going to be a top, you know, 20, 20 yeah. pick in the draft next year. Yeah. He's a, I, I think he's a first round guy as close to locked in as you can be for a first round wide receiver at this point. Yeah. So, um, value wise, I don't know. Um, if I did, I, I would take the one. I would trade the one on one for him for sure. If I had any of these kind of yeah. young receivers, plus I would do that. You know, someone might be a little more interested in a guy like Zachariah Branch or something. Branch plus, uh, I would do for sure. Um, something like that. Uh, quite frankly, probably any any quarterback not named Wegman, Arnold, Nico. Maybe Carson Beck. I would probably be okay moving for him straight up. Um, I would rather Stewart than Beck. I think Beck could be. Uh, I go. I don't know, I think, man. I think Beck's good. I think he's good, but I think his like NFL ceiling is like kind of limited. 
I think he'll be in the NFL for a while. He'll be a quarterback in the NFL for a while. Um, you know, but I, 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 I think in five years, um, they'll both be in the NFL, but Stewart will probably still be more valuable. It's like, that could be like a good processor. I don't know. Quarterback. It's tough. It's tough. It is. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying though. Cause you would say, let's say, cause I think the comp for Evan Stewart of the past couple of years has been Garrett Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, what quarterbacks would you not like starting quarterbacks? Would, would you take Garrett Wilson over in a startup draft? You know, I think you start talking about Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, obviously Derek Carr, um, mm-hmm. you know, Will Levis. I think you would take him above um, Russell Wilson, right? I don't know if you consider him a starter anymore. Well, the Steelers have. Fortunately, we have the C200 rankings. Yes. Which I this weekend went and completely revamped mine, which that was the that was much needed on my end as well. I have Wilson um, like right around um, Trevor Lawrence, Drake May in that range. Um, I think I'm positionally if you needed a quarterback, I might rather Lawrence or May, but I could also see situations where I would rather Wilson. So. I have him in that range. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, I have him just in front of, in terms of quarterbacks, like Kyler, Anthony Richardson, Jaden Daniels, Drake May. I, I still have Bryce Young in there, Deshaun Watson. I would t- So, I mean, if you think that's going to end up being the value, then yeah, I think that, that that's, a, that's a fair comment or call. Um, let's actually save the cells for next week because we're going to go. Really we're at an hour and a half, yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we we <laughs> we'll did not anticipate talking that much about saving and mm-hmm. everything. I swear we meant to spend about 10 minutes on that. Uh, I kind of got away. Um, so apologies there. But uh, we'll be back. Well, there you go. There's a little teaser for next week. Tune in next week for the about our five cells. Colin, draw, give give one name to the people with no explanation so that they can uh, they know what they have to tune in for here. Oh, man. Give, give your, uh, your tier four guys kind of lame. He is a little lame. Maybe I'll maybe I'll rework mine. Yeah, rework bit. it. Okay, then we won't share any names. We won't, we won't share any share names because we'll, we'll, uh... I, I, the, the the tier four guy for me, the reason he's on there is his most recent performance may have some people buying back in. I am not one of them. So there's a teaser, and it might get reworked anyway. <laughs> there's a teaser that probably won't even he'll at least be an honorable mention for me next week next week we're gonna start the show with previously on camp on campus life let's do just it clip in that <laughs> that little segment there um so perfect okay um well yeah that's gonna do it for tonight's show then guys uh make sure you're tuning into everything here that we have to offer over at campus uh rankings tools uh adp is going to start firing up here again soon the articles the podcast the youtube channel help us get that youtube channel we're almost to three thousand subscribers and i think our goal is to get to at least five thousand by the time next season rolls around um at our current rate i think that's uh i think that's i think that's too low of a goal but don't tell felix because he'll raise it then and he really gets honest about this stuff so he does yeah. um so don't don't share that with him oh, he's gonna um, hear this. chase chasing the natty's back if you didn't see that our cff show um that that is back and that uh if you're listening to us on tuesday you probably listened to that yesterday if you didn't go ahead and check it out um yeah we'll be back next week with another episode of campus life until then guys i'm austin and this is colin have a good one